Uh, my mom got sick and uh, she had had cancer, but her cancer came back. Get your self-esteem from the effort, not from the result. If you do that long enough, the results have to come. So I think the best thing you could do to, to sell more is to Thanks for joining us this week on the Elite Sales Podcast. I'm very happy to be joined in studio. Uh, Trey Honeycutt, board board member, um, senior board member. I'm sorry. Is it higher than that? I don't. I don't know. I don't even know what the levels are anymore. <laughs> so many levels. Sounds good. It's just a really cool title. Uh, he's he's the the founder of Coast to Coast, uh, Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame uh, producer manager. Not all producer. that all that good stuff. Um, close ones. Yeah. Not producer. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. You're Hall of Fame to me. Thank you. Hall of Fame agency for sure. And uh, you know, just just one of the uh, one of the the great guys, and I always consider him to be one of the culture setters within FFL, because uh, he's Thanks. he's an influential guy that I looked up to when I first started here. Um, we got co-host John. How are we um, doing? So we get, we got we got we got a packed show for you today. What we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk we're going to talk about um, praise in our day to day life, and how it affects performance. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to break down how that how that actually uh, impacts. The way that we perform, and more than more than you know, and then we're going to talk about uh, you know Trey's journey here at FFL and kind of break down break down the business in real simple terms. So, nice. um, so as far as praise, I mean, I I gotta give Trey credit. I think he's one of the best in this company as far as providing praise and giving praise to people. Would you, oh. would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you know, you know, for for me, it was like it was a Praise has always been kind of an awkward thing for me growing up. So before I get started, me, I mean, did you, do you guys feel like, did you, did you guys get a lot of praise when you guys were kids from your parents mm. or from your families? No, I was an only child. So I was always the center of attention, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think praise was the right word. A lot of guilt. <laughs> I got a lot of, a lot of guilting into things growing up, you know? Okay. Um, but where I, I came to understand the value of praise is, you know, you really do attract more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. And uh, I've ruined a lot of relationships because somebody would say something to me like, well, just be straight with me. You can just be straight with me. Like, just be direct. Like, that's actually the last person you need to be direct with. <laughs> that, that should be the absolute last approach, you know. Um, you know, instead of criticizing people, you just you need to be nice more often than critical. And um you know, and, and having done that and seen, because a lot of, a lot of times what's happening, I mean, personally in my life is like the things that I want to like condemn people over. I usually forget what the problem was in a few weeks anyway, <laughs> and it kind of straightens itself out. And 99% of the stuff you worry about never happens anyway. But when you're, when you praise people, even when you believe more in people than they believe in themselves, eventually they start to believe it and they want to live up to it. It becomes an identity. You know, you can cast an identity on somebody and get them to believe that they're a certain way. If you just speak positively, it's the same as like, you know, so my, my wife's nephew's wife did all these child development classes, right? Yeah. She read like, hopefully she doesn't watch this. <laughs> this isn't a bad thing what I'm saying, but she read like 50 raise your children, write books before she even had a kid. 
And her whole thing was like, I can never tell my child no, because that would be bad if I told my child no. And we're like, oh, you, you haven't had kids yet. You're going to say no a lot. Because like, <laughs> that'll be some crazy stuff. Was this you know her I mean? industry? Was she like a teacher, a psychologist? Or she, she just, just, read, she just read a lot of books while she was pregnant. Okay. okay. So, so, time. <laughs> so about a year into it, you know, she said no to everything. <laughs> we were like, hey, I thought you said, you know, and, and what we all came to the conclusion of is you have to say no but find a way to say yes more often than you say no, you know, encourage more than you, you know, condemn and eventually kind of the scales will, will balance out, you know? So that's, that's my take on it. That person, the person you're referencing to about saying no, it's like, that's Mike Tyson's everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. You can't exactly just let your kid do whatever, you know, that's they're right. grab a grab a piece of paper, fold it up and start eating it. Yes. Or run <laughs> down the middle of the street. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds great in theory. Right. In theory. But when life happens, I don't think I don't think it's so apl- applicable. Yeah. And that's and that's how that applies to, you know, what we do in the business, because you're going to encounter people. And, and you want everybody to do things the way you want them to do it. Mm. But you got to understand people are going to make their own mistakes. And what tends to happen is like not all mistakes are equal. Right. So it's okay to let people make mistakes and encourage them with what they're good at. And then just, I think the the mindset of this being a long-term relationship when you're building this with somebody goes a long way. Mm. Like just the reality today doesn't mean that's going to be the reality a year or two down the road. You know, people will change, they'll grow, they'll get better. So making permanent decisions off temporary emotions like Bob, I told you, da da da. Then you go off on somebody, and it's like Bob checked out, and really that was just a temporary thing with Bob. He probably would have got over it and could have been yeah. one of the best producers we had. Yeah, instead of to just talking about the process, you just condemned him, right? Berated him. So I think I think a good strategy, Albert, is like if you have to correct somebody on something, tell them a few good things they did before you have to correct them. The sandwich, yes. the Oreo, <laughs> the Oreo, good, bad, good. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's, that's, that's what it is. A sandwich. What about you, John? Did you get praised as a kid? Did you? Yeah. You know what? Come to think about it. Um, it's hard to recollect things, but yeah, it, it did come into you. Whatever you you remember as a kid, like if you had good praises, it sticks to you. So I got a few. Yeah. I had some, like I was, I remember I was good at math. So by like sixth grade or seventh grade, like I was learning division. So by the time I went to the first, first, um, first grade and they were teaching like balloons and how to count balloons i'm like what the heck's everyone you don't know what a balloon is <laughs> so i was confused i'm so all like i know how to divide this yeah it's no but the praise got me to work a little bit more on like well if uh, uh, of living up to the praise right if they said you're good at math okay well i am good at math what other math problems can i solve so they, they elevated me to keep learning new things so was that the nature of the praise like you're good at math how did how did it come across? Like, was it like you're so smart or you tried really hard? Like, how did, how did I can't recall too much, but maybe it was something along the lines of like, okay, you, you pick up really fast or you learn this quick. Okay. Well, let's teach you something new to learn. Which I'm, I'm going somewhere with all this. Right. But, but, you know, for me, I've, I've come to learn this when I, when I started seeing a performance coach, like she was talking about, Hey, how, uh, how do you give praise or how, how do you give compliments to your guys? How often do you do it? What, what man and what form? And I'm like, I do whenever it comes up, she's like, you don't just give like a random you know, compliment. And I'm like, typically no. Yeah. Me, me too. <laughs> that feels weird to me. 
Yeah. And it's, and it's not because I don't appreciate other people or don't think they're doing great or whatever it is. Just for me, it was just kind of awkward. And I, we, we broke it down. It was kind of like my dad didn't ever do that when I, when he was around when I was a kid. And then my mom, she wouldn't really praise. She, she would only give me praise, but it was always, it always comes with a backhand. It's like, <laughs> a backhand Oh, you're so smart, but it's totally wasted. Cause you're not working hard enough or, or something <laughs> like that, which you know, at the time, like I, I was never like, I never harbored a bunch of resentment or anything. So I was never like unhappy as a kid. Right. So I never, I was never like, oh, I can't believe they didn't say this about me and blah, blah, blah. And, or they didn't praise me. It was, it was more like, mm, okay, maybe that's just how it is. Yeah. And it was more like a no self-esteem kind of thing. Yeah. It wasn't low self-esteem, it was just no self-esteem. Like a hard conditioning, right? Yeah. And I, I didn't feel like anyone owed me anything. So I just wasn't, I, I didn't feel like it was a, a negative thing. I right. just felt like that's just what it was. Mm. But the thing is, it impacted me now, I guess, to, to the point where I don't give additional compliments or, you know, praise when I should. And I, that's something that I've worked on. Okay. I'm trying to do that a little bit better and trying to do a little bit more, you know, but I'm also, I'm also going to continue to stick with my, uh, my beliefs. that like, you don't want to become conditioned, just like praise everybody for the smallest things because, or the way that you praise them, which is my, my point I'm going to get into. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, sometimes, you know, you, you start overloading people with, you know, praise, praise that's, that's not really for anything that's praiseworthy. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of inflates their ego and then mm-hmm. effort decreases. Right. Right. So that's possible. You see, that's a possible scenario. Yeah, I do. That makes sense. So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to pose a couple of questions to you. If you, you don't mind me asking. I don't mind. Cause if, if you said no, then we're pretty much screwed for this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we got 15 minutes to go. All right, well, good talk. <laughs> All right. So, so there's, there's two, two, two forms of praises. Okay. Well, for this study that we're Carol, Carol Dweck from Stanford did this one study. Yeah. So she, she talked about the different types of praise, which is identity praise and effort praise. Okay. Mm. So let me, let me, let me, let me praise you in a couple different ways. So Trey, I, I, uh, this is scenario one, Trey, I think, I think you're just so naturally gifted at speaking. You're so good at, you're so good at, uh, running these meetings. You're so good at, you're so good at like hosting these events. You're just great. Thanks. Okay. So that, that's scenario one. Scenario two is Trey. I, I, I love, I love how reliable you are. You know, you always, you're always there. You're always putting an effort, leading the way by showing, showing the way. And we we know that you're just one of the most reliable guys that anyone can count on. Okay. So that's scenario two. Yes. So out of those two, which one do you feel better about yourself? Reliable. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I feel better about that. Okay. Is that the so? wrong answer? No, no. <laughs> I'm just, just curious to hear, hear your reaction. Well, because that's like a character trait that it's kind of unshakable. Like, so I have this experience. Can I tell you what my experience was? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I speed skated, and um, I I learned how to speed skate on roller skates. And the way this happened was in junior high. I didn't know how to skate, and I had a crush on this girl and they invited me to the skating rink. And I mean, I had like a real crush on this girl and um, I fell in front of her and she ran over my finger and broke it and then made fun of me for like the rest of the school year. And so my identity at school became the guy that fell in front of Gina and got his finger broke. And it also broke my heart. (laughs) So, and so what happened was I saved my lunch money for like a whole year to buy a pair of speed skates because it wasn't that I, I couldn't skate. I just knew if I had good skates, I'd be able to skate. 
So I went and got these expensive skates and I still couldn't skate. So since I had these speed skates, I started going to speed skating classes. And so when I was a kid, I was kind of like Forrest Gump. I had to wear leg braces and all these things because this is a long story, but I had a disease when I was a kid. It messed my legs up. So I was okay. really bow-legged. Okay. And um, so I, I, I wore, I, I wore these leg braces and whatever. And so when you had, when you're really bow-legged, it's hard to roller skate because I didn't realize it at the time, but like, you know, it like messes you up. But one of the best things you could do if your kids are pigeon toes is get a roller skate because it'll straighten out their hips first and then their toes will follow. So mm. I was going to all these classes and I was getting, I couldn't even hardly stand up. And when I did kind of get to go, like I would get beat by like four and five-year-olds and I was like 12 or 13 at this time. And so I was terrible. I was like the worst. I, I had to go to classes for over a year and most kids would go to two or three classes and get to start practicing with the team. Mm -hmm. And I went for a whole year. And at the end of this year, the best person on the team, his name is Keith Diamond. We had this party, uh, like a kind of like how they do it with little league where everybody gets a trophy and you get pizza and stuff. And they did this party thing. And I got this award even though I hadn't made the team yet. And Keith, who was like nationally ranked and all this stuff, somebody I really looked up to, he said, you're Mr. Perseverance. That's what he called me. And so the rest of my life, I held on to it because he told me how persevered I was. So I believed it. So whenever anything would happen, I can't quit at that. I'm Mr. Perseverance. You know, so, wow. so I, I don't know. That's why the reliability one stuck out to me. That's actually proves, proves the study's point. Oh, yeah. So, so it, in, in the study, they, uh, they, they looked at over 100 kids. They, they did a, a three control groups. They did one where they didn't provide them any praise. The, the second group, they provided them with identity praise. And then the third one, they, they provided them with effort praise. So, doing a mic adjustment here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, so they, they, they put them into these three different groups. So, so the, the, the findings was pretty interesting. When it was, the kids and for the people that say like, I didn't get enough praise. I can't perform, you know, which they were kind of taking a victim mentality in that situation. <laughs> Cause when they looked at the kids that received no praise, they performed the same. So didn't go up, didn't go down. So it wasn't like they're deficient as a result of not getting enough praise. Um, they, they also looked at the kids that they did identity praise, which, which is like, you're so smart. You're so smart. You're so smart. You're so good at what you do. And so then the thing is these kids, their performance from that point forward started going down. Mm. significantly right and then for the kids that they just praise the effort they're just like you were persevering I, I love the way that you persevered like you put in so much effort nothing nothing about the actual results of the mm. challenges that they were undertaking it was just more like hey you're you're doing you're doing you're, you're working really hard you know you keep coming back all this other stuff their performance actually significantly increased mm. so you know the the study was just kind of interesting because i think a lot of times we anchor ourselves to people, when people give you an identity praise, yes, like they're they're like, oh, you're so naturally talented, you're so gifted. Then all of a sudden, the thing is, they, what they recognized was people stopped uh, the type of challenges that these kids that got identity praise, they no longer took on, they took on as few challenges as possible, right? And then they also took on smaller and smaller challenges rather than the other kids that took that got the effort praise. They started taking on way more challenges. They took on way more, way bigger challenges than than the other groups. And then because the, the thing is they felt empowered because they weren't being judged based off of their, their, how good they were, but just judge, judge based on their effort. So it, it, it allowed them to strive for more. It allowed them to, to, to feel secure and just making mistakes and just 
just, you just keep putting in the effort and continue wow. to do that, then you end up achieving more. So mm. I thought it was, I thought it was kind of a, uh, kind of a cool study because I think it's definitely relatable in the, in the, in the sales industry. Would you agree? Dude, I totally agree. I understand my life now. Like this makes sense. <laughs> you know, thank you, Keith Diamond. <laughs> you know, wow. Right. I mean, and, and the thing is like from, I mean, like you're, you're a very relatable guy, but the thing is from the time, the time I started, I was always like, yeah, I can see why, I can see why trade does well. You know, he shows up to all the events and he's willing to put himself out there. He's willing to, you know, have a little, be a little self-deprecating. He's just, he, and he's always willing to offer and offer everyone and a hand. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm like, that falls into exactly into line with what we're talking about here mm-hmm. versus if, if we look at, and we know we got a lot of talented people here at FFL, right? Mm-hmm. So we got a lot, a lot of people that are really smart people that can, can have a, a lot of great skills in terms of selling, but doesn't mean they're always the top producer. It right. doesn't always mean they're going to build a big team. doesn't always mean they're going to be consistent. Right. Right. And dude, praising the effort. If you if you go back over your your career in insurance and you look at the ones where you just praise the performance, they'll cheat. <laughs> they'll do anything <laughs> to hit that performance marker. That's true. But the people that you praise the effort, regardless of the the results, those always turn out to be the best ones. They last the longest. They're more profitable eventually. Like the thing that scares me to death is the guy that comes out of the gate, writes fifteen, helps fifteen families the first two days, and we're like, oh my god, you're amazing. And then, you know, a few months later, he may not be the best agent or whatever, but the person that, you know, they show up and they just do the work and they set some appointments and, you know, they get better as they go and they keep doing it. And you praise that, that tends to get the right result over time. Right. Right. Interesting. And I I think in the the study, they also, they also recognize that the people, the kids that got effort praise, they're, they're more well-adjusted long run too. Mm. Cause, cause the thing is, um, they're they're okay with not not necessarily being the best, but then they just they just recognize if I keep putting in the effort, like I'll I'll uh, get to where I want to get to. Whereas like you know all these kids that that had the identity praise and the intelligence praise, they're just like, I need to get that dopamine hit again. Mm-hmm. So I I need to do less so I can try to recreate that feeling. So I think it becomes counter counterproductive to praise people based off of their ability versus to praise them based off of their efforts. Mm. And and I, you know, I can, I can, I can, uh, I mean, not, not a statement on anyone here, but you know, for, as far as effort praise, I mean, there's guys like Terrence, right. Mm-hmm. Always consistent. He's always the first guy on, on live Dallas. Every time he gets, he gets someone on the phone, he unmutes himself, you know, he's willing to share, you know? So, I mean, like shout out, shout out to my mentee. Yeah, no um, doubt. Def- definitely. And, and the thing is, it makes it very easy because, you know, sometimes people are so accustomed to getting identity praise or intelligence praise. And the thing is when they're not receiving it, they take it as a slight. Yeah. And there's like their egos, like just, just like, don't how, you know, how, how, I, yeah. don't you yeah. know how special I am? How, how are you not, you're not praising me for how great I am as a person. Yeah. Wow. Whereas like guy like Terrence, you know, he, he's, he's a very humble guy. So he, he just automatically says like, not doing anything special. Just talking to more people, buy enough, investing enough into my leads. I'm like, this is like a perfect example of the study. Yeah, and it, and it just goes back into the effort uh, going into our business. Who, who makes more and who's who's longer in the business? The people with the stronger work ethic yeah. or the, the people that's results-oriented, right? Mm-hmm. So going back to the, the identity phrase, if they feel like they're not hitting their levels, they're quick to quit, mm-hmm. right? Because they, right. they think they're the top salesperson, 
it didn't happen in the first month or two months, well, I'm too good for this. Let me go switch to a different agency or industry or something else right. where I will fit that character. Or, you know, the, the ego has take, taken, take, created this other narrative. Yeah. And there's like, the ego oh, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not continuing to kill it anymore. So it must be this opportunity it must be the leads it must be, must be this industry. Like, let me go somewhere else. Wow. Yeah. That's a, Hey, so it's identity praise and the other one's what? Effort, effort praise? praise. Yeah. And then which, no praise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I mean, it goes, it goes, comes full circle. No praise is actually better than, than fake identity praise, right? Right. There you go. There you go. So I was doing everyone a solid. <laughs> but I mean, especially from the young age, I mean, that builds their, their character, right? So are you building a character of like entitlement right. by saying, here's what you are, you got to live up to that, or you're building a character of, hey, there's perseverance, there's work ethic, um, there, there's efforts. If you continue to challenge, you get better. That, that makes sense, especially, you know, having kids, young kids, racing kids. Yeah. And another long-term um, effect of identity versus effort praise that they found in the study. For the, for the kids that uh, effort praise, when it then said like, hey, we got to go measure your results. And then the kids will go up there, they put up their score, put up their, their results. And the thing is, they were, they were all pretty much much more honest with yeah. their results. For the kids that got identity praise, intelligence praise, yeah. and when they went up there, they all lied about their scores. Like they said they did better than they actually did. And then when they looked at the actual results, they're like, that's not what it actually was. So, wow. which is like, it's funny because for all of us that have been in insurance, as long as we have, we can, we all know certain agents are just like, yeah, I got like a oh, list right I'm now. So special. I'm, I'm just the greatest closer. And then, and then like they they talk about how, how great they did. I helped 170 families this week because right. I'm so special. I'm just competitive. I'm just, yeah. and then, and then you, you start looking at the numbers week after week. You're like, Huh? <laughs> like you what happened to so many families? Says you only issue yeah. fourteen families. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's that ego to kind of like to, to over <laughs> overplay what their real efforts were. Right, but they've created this this narrative that they feel like they need to live up to. When like mm -hmm. in reality, that narrative was kind of just really in their own mind. Like no one else really cares that much. Yeah, like, right, everyone appreciates good effort, and when everyone appreciates a high achievement because it's like it's cool. It's like you know people want to root for it, but for the people that just consistently lie about stuff like that. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm not listening to you anymore. Yeah, we'll be fooling because everyone knows the numbers. Everyone right. sees the numbers. Right. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. So that, that's just, that's just something that I just thought was, uh, was interesting. I was going through reading about the study earlier this week and I'm such a nerd. So I, I texted John and our other, our other friend over the weekend. And then I'm like, Oh man, I just read this and blah, blah, blah. And like, watch this podcast. <laughs> and then, That's great. And then like, we just tell they're bored. They're like nerd. <laughs> no, I, I already knew about that one too. I knew about Dweck. No. The, the other one, she didn't, she didn't respond. She didn't care. She didn't care. <laughs> yeah, with and, and yeah. stuff. Those are good things. It's like, um, I look into that cause I knew about it with psychology because I have, a, I have a kid. I have, I have two kids. I have a five-year-old turning six. So I know exactly like what, what wrong things am I doing to her or what right things am I saying to her? And I could tell because she's like a spitting image of, of my personality. So the things I, I tell her are the things I trick her on. She's trying to trick me back on it. So all the mind <laughs> games I play with her, she already knows what I'm so going to do. Figured out, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of got to know. It's like, okay, I'm teaching her good things. How do I step back and make sure like I'm teaching her the right things? Well, right. whenever I see you with your daughter, you're, you're always messing with her. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you kind of, I guess, like 
like a dad bullying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you provide her a lot of praise to? Mm-hmm. But now because I, I knew I knew about that, I always tell her, look, you're smart. But all that smart, this is my phrase I say to her, all that smart won't do you no good if you don't learn new things for it. So how do you stay smart if you don't learn anything? So I was just like, okay, yeah, you got to keep learning. You got to start studying more. You got to learn, learn new things, read more books. So all that, all that being said for everyone on this call, I mean, if, if you feel like you're not receiving the type of praise from the people that you want, I mean, if they're not praising you based off of your, your identity and your, your, your skills and all that stuff, it's actually a good thing for you. They're, yeah. It's actually helping your performance. If you're, if people are praising you for your efforts, that's a great thing because this way it, it's, allows you to focus on the things that you can control on a consistent basis and allows you to continue to, t- to hit, take, take it to different levels. And if you have people that are not praising you for effort, first of all, look at your effort. <laughs> maybe not praising your effort because there's not any to speak of. So, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying let's do a self-evaluation on that because the ultimate goal is for us to get better. Yeah. So yeah. Ho- hopefully that's something that some, some perspective for you guys to, 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 to mull over and just, see how it applies to yourself and if, if it's something that you can apply to either yourself or the people around you to help them get better too. Yeah. And if I could add to that, I mean, you don't need the additional, it's good to have a second person or a third person or a lot of people telling you that, but also you have that, that self-talk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you decide the effort you're going to do and you either did it or not, you're going to subconsciously say something about yourself. Right. You're going to give yourself praise or the wrong things in your head too. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if I didn't sell or if, if I'm, if I'm getting, you know, I, I, I messed up a bunch of appointments and I didn't, I didn't close them or whatever. It's never, I'd never think to myself, I'm not good enough. Like I suck. Right. Like there's moments when I suck and certain things, certain parts of my presentation when I'm like, ah, oh, I messed that up. It's it sucked. But then it was never like, I suck. It's more like my activity sucks. Yeah. Or my effort sucks. Like my, my lead flow sucks. So it's stuff that that's, controllable yeah those are the variables in which we can control so so i think i think language is a very important thing so let, let's try to be mindful as we go forward this week or this weekend the next week if we can try to focus on whether it's effort or identity which you place your value on and yeah. and you know that's where these live dials these calls are for um if you you know this is a lonely type of business so you need that that participation from each other whether you're giving it or you're receiving it Look for people to partner up with into to your business to talk about business because it's hard to, to talk about that for from uh, people outside of the business either, right? Like you can't go into details about the conversation you had with a client. You can't get the, a better response from it. They don't have any perspective, right? Well, I think it's really interesting. Like this is an Andrew Taylor moment of wisdom, but he would always say uh, to get your esteem from your work ethic. And the mm-hmm. example that he would use, and I, I remember this when this happened, it was 9.31 night, he's on the phone with me and he's like an hour and a half late to the appointment. <laughs> and I'm like, where are you? And he's like, I'm going to my last appointment. He's like, hold on. He puts me on hold. He's banging on the lady's door. Nobody answers. He goes back to the car and he's like, all right, well, she wasn't there, but I tried. And I was like, that's cool. And he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, most agents wouldn't have done that. True. You know, and that's where he'd get his esteem from is he would just do the things he would do the extra effort that most agents wouldn't do. And he would always say it was the extra effort because I would look at it like, okay, if I run 10 appointments and I get this result, do I need to run 20 appointments to get twice the results? 
And he would always say, no, it's just the extra effort. That's what gets twice the results, yeah. you know? And I mean, shoot, he's been teaching that the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And for those that don't know Andrew Taylor that well, I, I would say he's done okay for himself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I look at that too. Like I like, I still do door knock, especially some uh, local leads and, you know, for for those of you guys who've never door knocked, it's not the most fun thing ever, right? Right. <laughs> so, but I look at it from a number standpoint. Okay, people are not going to be home. People, um, de- depending on the time frame, you know, you're going to get a, a conversation or not, or someone else in the house. So I just look at it from the numbers. Well, if I did ten door knocks and I got to speak to one, and I got to book that appointment, well, I just need to do twenty door knocks to speak to two, thirty door knocks to speak to three. Th- those additional efforts can lead you to more appointments and those appointments can lead you to more sales, but you wouldn't have been able to do that if you've never started to begin with. Right. And then if all you did was kept calling on these same leads that never pick up, how else can you get these additional sales? Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, it's really interesting too. I remember one time when he got his office in Vegas, he had all these desks that we had to put together. We put yeah. like, it was just me and him, but we put like two together. It was like five 30 and we we're going to go to yard house. Uh-huh. And I'm like, dude, like we got to go to yard house. Like I'm hungry. <laughs> and he's like, ah, we can't leave after just putting two desks together. We got three more. We're like, we need to, and dude, we knocked out those three desks and however long it was. But, but I, I remember thinking like, that's how he does everything. Like he literally puts extra effort into everything. That's good. And, um, yeah, what a, what a so great what time did you guys eat dinner? <laughs> I don't, it wasn't too much. He wanted to eat too, so we got it done quick. Oh. Uh, those desks might have fallen apart, but by golly, we got them done. <laughs> we didn't promise it's not good. We just promised it's going to be done. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that didn't mean we couldn't check them again tomorrow. Make sure everything was tight. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I will give. I will say that about Andrew. He's a he doesn't stand out in any particular way because he's a very mild mannered person. Yeah, and he's not very emo- he's not very emotional outwardly. But to his credit, and I, I mean this in the best way, like that type of demeanor, it just it breeds a lot of confidence for the people around him, right? Because mm-hmm. he's like, he's just a, he's a normal guy. Uh, I mean, he's he's extraordinary, but you know, yeah. normal guy in terms of like how people perceive him. Right. And the thing is, if he's able to do accomplish as much as he's accomplished, you know, just being a regular guy, like what's our excuse? Yeah, no doubt. He's a genius in that way, dude. He is a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> I believe that. Well, you're a genius in a lot of ways. Like, I, I, I mean, your effort that you put into decorating this place should be praised. <laughs> Not just how nice it looks. There just took a lot of effort. It was, it was all effort. None of it was, none of it was talent. An artistic ability. player, for sure. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. But, you know, but uh, just, so that's a, that's a, a study by Harold Dweck for anyone that wants to, to further look into it. But um, hopefully that applies to something that you people around you and I'm, I'm going to be very mindful of my, my language going forward. So if you guys don't understand why you probably missed this podcast, <laughs> but let's, let's get to, let's get to our guest. So, yes. so Trey, we've been, we've been meaning to have you on for a while. We know it's quite a trek to come all the way from the high desert all the way out here. So happy to have you. Yeah. Thank you. So um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into insurance, you know, just for all the people that don't know you that, that well yet. Uh, sure. Yeah. My name's Trey. Uh, I got started in the insurance profession in 2014. I was actually at a, at another, uh, company before here. And, uh, the way I ended up at FFL was 
Uh, the people telling me how to sell insurance over there, they, they hadn't sold insurance for like six years. Mm. And so I was going online looking for training and I would, I would listen to the FFL trainings, uh, Jack, you on conference calls way back in the day. And that's, I would apply the stuff that he said, and I was actually making sales and I was like, Oh, this is really good. So then, you know, my deal was there were a bunch of FFL agents around me, like in the same area. So if I would go sell, like they just replaced my stuff <laughs> and I got tired of it. And I called up Andrew one day and I'm like, Hey, so I don't know if you remember me. I met you at this meeting. I just have one question. Like if I work with you, like, would you replace my stuff? And he's like, no, but you can't work with us. <laughs> and so he basically pushed me away for weeks and I finally talked my way in. That's what happened. So, wow. uh, yeah, that was my background before, before insurance. I just had a lot of random jobs. Uh, Hope you're enjoying the video so far. Please make sure that you like, subscribe, comment, anything to help us help support the algorithm so we can continue to bring you more valuable content and continue to be part of your lives. Also, if you don't feel that it's providing you that much support since you're already at this point, like and subscribe anyway. Um, when, he, when, he, when he told you you can't work, you can't work, you can't work with them. Was it circumstantial or was it because he was testing you? No, nah, it was circumstantial. There was a lot of legal stuff going on between yeah. them and that other right, place right. and uh, you know, I think he actually really thought I couldn't, but, uh, you know, people want what they can't have. And I was like, what do you mean? I can't like, of course I can. I'll figure out a way. Is that how you started to become an assistant first? No, I started as an agent. I was okay. an agent for two years. Okay. And then uh, my mom got sick and, uh, she had had cancer, but her cancer came back. Mm. And, uh, during that time. So, so like my first 90 days, I helped like 45 families. Wow. And, um, initially and then my mom got sick after that and the whole year that whole first full year i only helped 70 families because i was the only child and like it's just me and my mom my father had already passed away and uh and so i just wasn't very engaged but the thing that i learned from andrew the, the, the reason why i stayed here was he was the same with me when i sold a lot as i was when i sold a little and the reason why is because he helped so many families himself like like the best thing he ever did for me is not need me because his, his personality never changed. And um, then my mom did end up passing away. And then in 2016, which was when I was here about two years is when I became his assistant. And that was just to get me out of the house and get back into a normal routine. So he would pay me 40 hours a week to do whatever and uh, got me back at the office. And then it gave me structure. So all I did was I just sold on the weekends and, um, that year I helped on the weekends, 118 families for the year, just literally Saturday and every other Sunday afternoon. And then the next year, that same schedule, Saturday and every other Sunday afternoon, I helped 180 families along with my 40 hour work week. So that, that structure that I had being part-time with Andrew, that, that literally changed my life uh, because I sold more part-time than I did full-time. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you got all the time in the world on your hands, like it's like, I'll dial later. You know, I'm going to go to lunch. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to do, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I'd go to these trainings and people would always say things like, well, you know, like when I dial, you know, I just, I, I get, I get distracted and I do housework and I do laundry and, you know, I do the dishes and I wash the car and I'm thinking y'all are just way too productive. I just watch TV. That's what I do. <laughs> so, uh, so, but, but having a job, and only being able to dial like on Thursday nights, because it's the only time I had, I was forced to dial during that time. And I would run appointments like in Vegas or Fresno, I would go to different places. And so Saturday was my day. I'd wake up at 3 a.m., bringing in the car, 
you know, get out there by six, have it juice it up, try to get my first one by seven. And uh, my last one's at nine o'clock at night. If they didn't show up, I was driving right back to, you know, three hours back to Victorville. So um, that's how, that's how I did that for, for a while. So you did it the old school way. Like we did from our old company. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was in person. You said driving out. It, w- it was, it was kind of a kind of unique experience. Cause you're like, if I'm traveling out of town, traveling like four or five, eight hours away. Right. Got to make it worth it. You're not, right. you're not Full going in the field with one or two appointments. Right. That's right. And, and the other, and the biggest advantage of that for me was like, I'm not really motivated by money. So if I got a little bit of money and faced a little bit of rejection, I would just go home because I was so close to home. But if I was three, four hours away, I couldn't just go home. I was like, I'm out here. Can't just go home now. Cause I got four no's in a row. So, so I developed a skill set of like creating an environment that forced me to perform. Um, I think that was really helpful. So you you have a new agent that you're working with in here today. Mm-hmm. In. So he's doing, he's doing telesales, virtual sales, right? Yeah. Well, I just got him some internet leads and they're local. And I said, just set appointments and tell them you're going to come see him. Are you going to have yeah. him go in person? Yeah. Cause he's willing to do it. Yeah. And um, is that what you prescribe for new agents? Some new agents, you know, if the, if I can get them an environment where everybody's doing telesales um, and they can learn it that way. Great. If, if it's just me and them and they can get leads in their backyard, I'll just have them go see them, you know? Okay. Uh, Cause it's a good way to, you know, it, it's a, it, there's a lot of challenges that you run into virtually, especially when you're first starting, like you don't know how to do any app at all. And then this person can't figure out how to open the thing and then they hang up on you. Like that's, yeah. that's demoralizing. But if you can go run a few and figure it out, then it's a lot easier to do on the phone, you know, unless you have the proper support. And I just really don't have a way to support them properly. Just to do straight telesales, you know. Well, cost wise, too. Right. If yeah. you're a brand new, brand new agent, you're licensed in one state trying to do telesales. You might need multiple states. Right. Right. That's right. And, um, you know, and then you spend more on leads initially, right. maybe, you know, because you need more, you need more bats. So yeah, it worked out. He's booked a couple. <laughs> so, but, but I think anything to get people to start and, and, and get something good going, you know, the plan used to start is not necessarily the plan we're going to end up with. <laughs> Just, Definitely not. It, it'll that's evolve. Good. That's yeah. right. So let me ask you, Trey, what, what, what are you most passionate about here at FFL? Um, I think the thing I'm most passionate about is seeing people really have an opportunity to change their lives. You know, it's really interesting. Like nothing is perfect. Like there's no perfect IMO. There's no perfect place to work. People are crazy half the time. (laughs) You know, if I'm being 100% honest with you, that's always been my approach with everything. It's like, nothing's perfect. But what I find, because I I interact with a lot of people from different places, you know, and uh, I could tell you this still is the best, no matter what, you know, like I... I, I, I just recruited some agents from another IMO and nice. Um, you know, the, the whole thing was like, yeah. And they, and they, they encourage people they, they come up with reasons. They like, they have like a whole list of why FFL is a bad at other places. Like they yeah, train I've, people I've on that. Yeah, right? They have a brainwash. <laughs> so, so they <laughs> don't go there. So then like people will bring it up and um, you know, they throw all these things on my face and then, the thing that usually happens is like, like this, this one guy recently, he's complaining about how he didn't have any leads. And then he's like, yeah, but I heard this about you guys. This, blah, 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 and this, and that, 
I'm like, dude, even if all that's true, we have leads. He's like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's really so simple, you know? And, and the thing that I love about FFL is at its core, it's producer driven. It's a producer company. The producer is the one that gets the most praise. The people that can make a really strong, I get excited about the people on the team that have learned how to make an incredible income without recruiting anyone. Even though I want everybody to recruit. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you can make a living without recruiting anyone. And that was always the thing that gave me the most like confidence in the business is if I built this big thing and it fell apart, which I'm apt to do multiple times because I've done that before, at least I could go sell and make a living. Right. And so that's where, that's where the security and the stability comes from is just knowing, Hey, if I get some leads, I can either get them on the phone and sell them. I can go see them and sell them. I could travel to them and sell them. I can do it on zoom. I could put them in a system that'll set my appointments for me. And I could show up to those appointments on the phone and sell. I could figure out a way to sell them no matter what. And so uh, that's the thing that I have the most confidence in. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Cause the alternative is you go to a place where everyone wants to get in management. Yes, Everyone wants to manage people. Everyone wants to not sell and just manage. Right. Who's running the business, right? Exactly. <laughs> and then you start forgetting about what the business actually really is. Yeah. You know, the beautiful thing about this is if you ever get confused, just start helping some families with life insurance again, and it'll, it'll tend to straighten itself out because you realize the value of what it is that we're actually doing for folks, you know, um, and that's the core of it. So as long as we don't forget that, we'll always be the best. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we've, we've had a culture that's been set by hard work, mm-hmm. effort from Sean. Right. You know, so, so I, I think for, for people that come in saying like, I just want to come and building a team because you know, that's always been my thing, but I've, it was never like, I want to build a team so I don't have to work. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, I want to build a team and then do a different type of work. Right. Know, Cause just be there to help develop people, recruit, you know, work with them when they need help, that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's just, it's just like the people, the people that to say like, I just want to build a team and then sit back, do nothing, rake in the money. Mm-hmm. It's very unrealistic. Right. It's very unrealistic, but you've done it. You've always done it the right way. Like nobody can say you don't work. You definitely work super reliable, super encouraging, always there to support people. The most supportive person when it, when it comes to most of this, like really the role model of it, always a good attitude, all that stuff. I've always noticed. Be careful with all this identity (laughs) praise, man. It's it's effort praise. (laughs) But you work really hard at having a good attitude. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. So, so um, one of one of the things you're really strong at, Trey, is you're you're really good at um, preaching consistent message about recruiting. And we were just talking about this earlier. Like, if you can give some people recruiting tips or people that don't don't think they're ready yet. Yeah. Or waiting till they learn everything before they start building a team. Like what, what type of advice would you give them? Well, the number one thing you can do to increase your production as an insurance producer is recruit somebody. Like if you recruit somebody, you will sell more. That's how it works. Like when you come into this and the people you're working with, you may not even know them that well. They don't really have leverage to get you to perform more. But if you go recruit people, you know, that fear of being embarrassed will cause you to do better. The fear of being outworked by your cousin will cause you to put in more effort. So I think the best thing you could do to, re- to sell more is to recruit right away. It's just like having kids, you know, when you have kids, which 
if you're a screwed up individual and you want to fix your life, don't just go have kids <laughs> because it may not do it. Right. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but you hear the stories, you know, it does set you straight. Right? <laughs> you can't mess around too much. You got somebody to support. That's right. So, so when you, when you have kids, when, when you become a leader, you know, you give up the, the option to become, to be average and ordinary. And that's, that's a benefit of recruiting. It will help you sell more. Um, the other thing is, is a lot of people wait until they get really good at it before they start recruiting. And my, my, <laughs> I, I would just say, well, what if I'd ever become really good at it? I, you know, <laughs> like it was taking me a long time to figure it out. And fortunately I was able to recruit people that were better at it than me. And that was okay. And because I wasn't stuck in the identity of having to be a top producer, I knew that people would respect my effort. So I would just show up like I, I was dependable. I'd show up, I'd work with everybody else. And some weeks I'd be on top of the leaderboard and some weeks I'd make two sales, but I knew if I did it every single week, that that consistency would reap the proper result. And it's the same way on the recruiting side where people mess it up is they don't consistently do it. They get five or six people. They think they're going to train their sales force. And then those people are going to be the ones to go out and make them rich. And it, it doesn't work like that. The best thing you can do for these five or six to help them is get five or six more. That is always the best thing you can do. There's nothing that 10 new recruits can't solve. There's no problem that helping 10 families in a week can't solve. Um, but it has to be new. <laughs> if I'm sitting here trying to, to fix and motivate and churn up and get excited, all these people that aren't performing, the best thing I do is just go find people that perform at a higher level demonstrate what the effort looks like in order to get it and then let them model that. And then it works out, you know, rather than trying to manage my way into, into uh, having the results. Makes a lot of sense. So, so for, for an agent out there that says like, Oh, you know, I, I have a couple of people that I would, uh, that I would bring in, but they got a really good job. They're, they're doing, they're doing really well already. I don't know who to talk to. Yeah. What's, what's your approach on that? Well, I recruit people for who they know. <laughs> right. That's always my mentality. So people that are really successful, no successful people. So even if it's not the right opportunity now, it's like planting seeds. You know, the difference between recruiting and selling, selling is like hunting. Recruiting is like farming. All I'm doing is planting seeds. And I understand that like you don't harvest in the same season that you plant. So as long as I have a steady pipeline of seeds being planted, Eventually I'll get a crop. Um, you know, that's the way I've always looked at it. And yeah. uh, talk about, you know, you know, you have your Sunday night or you used to have your Sunday nights. Like what, what was the process for that teaching new agents how to recruit? Well, dude, I, I think everybody has enough people in their cell phone to build a big business. You know, you have five, 600 contacts in your cell phone. And if you start looking at it, not for what you think those people can do, but the fact that you have a gift that you can offer people that can actually change their life because we look at it wrong. We look at it like you got to help 20, 30 families a month in order to be really successful because that's what the leaderboard says. But if you can help somebody help three families a month on the weekend, that's way more money than they can make like driving Uber. Right. You know, like six days a week. Right. So it that's what's interesting is we think these stories of these this massive success is what's attractive to people. And that's really not what's attractive. What's attractive to people is, do I have time to do what Trey's doing? Am I willing to do what Trey's doing? 
And would I do what Trey's doing on a consistent basis? If they can answer yes to those things um, and they believe that they can do it. Now they may not believe they can go out and help 30 families a month, but they believe, yeah, I can, I can come in on a Saturday, make phone calls, make a couple sales. And, and I could do that. And if I do that consistently, it could fix my financial situation. That's attractive to folks. And then belief creates more action. So as they get deposits and, and they get praised for their effort, what ends up happening is they start to like it and they want to empower other people with it. And so if you look at my organization, it's really, I didn't go recruit a gazillion people. I recruited a few that got it and helped them recruit a few that got it. And it just continued to grow over time because we were consistent with it. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I think a lot of times people tend to overestimate how much people, we just think, Oh, the leaderboard is where the money's at. Everybody wants that. If they can't achieve it, then it's not, it's not really worth their time. Right. Right. But sort of different things attract different people. Like yep. I'll, I'll have, I have a personal story with Trey. Um, you remember that one time we went to Boca? It was, it was, it was at the old Boca office. Mm-hmm. We went to Sean's house, had a meeting yeah. first. And then, so the thing is like, it was meeting after meeting after meeting all day long. Talking to agents, we had a business overview. And then end of the night, there's a few other guys. They're like, Hey, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. We're going to talk to this person. We're going to talk to that person. And like, it, it was a long day. Yeah. And it was evening time. And then like, we're all hungry. Right. And then you, Jack and I were just, we're, we're in one separate car. And then, and then I was like, part, part of me was like, well, I don't know if you guys want to go talk to that person. I'm, I'm, I'm a team player. I'll, I'll go. And then, and then you're like, <laughs> the, the thing that really attracted me to trade that moment, he was just like, man, I'm tired. I'm tired of people. I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done for today. Well, I mean, it was just—it was just like a real human moment. Yeah. As in, like, generally when I see you, you're you're just very upbeat, very outgoing. You know, you, you talk to everybody, <laughs> right. you make people feel very welcome. Then I'm I'm just thinking, like, I you know, like like I've mentioned, like, not it wasn't empty praise. It was like I think you're a culture setter at FFL. Like, you know, your the way your demeanor, the way that you interact in large public events, like you know, it kind of sets the tone for everybody else. Thanks. So, I mean, for, for me, I'm like, uh, I bet you Trey's going to want to go. And I guess we're going to go, we're going to like stay out longer, but then you're like, ah, I'm just tired. I just want, I, I just want to go eat. And then, and, and then me and Jack, like, cool, let's go do it. Let's go eat. Yeah. Dinner. But you hey, know, that, that. yeah, that, that, that really allowed me to connect with Trey in a different way. And yeah. like that, that we never had a problem connecting before, but I was just like, oh, Trey is like other people. Yes. hundred <laughs> <Yes>. percent. <laughs> Very much. Okay. Um, I, I know we're running out of time here, but let me ask, let me ask you a few final questions. Um, if an agent is struggling, what type of advice would you give them? Don't quit. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, I think the number one thing people have to do is make a decision that they're going to do this. They got to give themselves enough time to succeed at it. You have to survive long enough to succeed at it. The second advice that I give people is be careful who you listen to. Focus on your environment. If you don't like something, change it. You know, like people are like, oh, you know, an example, people say, I don't like the culture. I don't like the way I feel in that. Like, well, change it. If it's not upbeat enough, you be the upbeat one. Like you have permission to do that. You, you don't have to stay stuck where you're at. If something's not working, you can change it. Um, and it's nobody else's responsibility or anybody else's fault. If you give yourself the power to fix it, you can fix it. But if you're blaming other people or, or you just have this mindset that it'll never be different, then it'll never be different. Um, and then the other thing is 40 hours a week. 
like, what are you actually doing for the time that you're actually working? Because this business is deceptive. You can think about the business for 40 hours a week and work three, you know, and the days tend to run together. I, so many times in the beginning, like I would, I would run myself into a wall and five, six, seven days go by without me doing anything, but I felt exhausted. Mm. <laughs> and so what are the things that you can do that'll actually get you closer to where you want to go? Like, what times are you dialing? Who are you dialing with? Uh, how many appointments do you actually have? How many people are actually showing up for the appointments? What are you, do you, are you purchasing leads on a regular basis? Things you can actually control. And let's get that type of activity to 40 hours a week. Because we do three things. We either set appointments to go see people or talk to them about insurance. We talk to them about insurance. And then we teach other people how to set appointments and talk to people about insurance. That's what the 40 hours a week should consist of. Um, not all the other stuff that we could do anytime. So if you can get that in check and get your self-esteem from the effort, not from the result, if you do that long enough, the results have to come. Like it had, like it's, it's, it's a probability. It's not a possibility unless you're just, there are people that really suck at sales. <laughs> You know, like they're they're out there, but they're probably not anybody on this podcast, but like, you know, I met some that I'm just like, I don't know. We'll see. And then, and then they decide, Hey, I don't want to do it. I'm going to go work at this car wash. And that's cool. If they want to go do that, you know? Um, But for the most, for most folks, it really is just an effort thing completely. It's you can, if you do it long enough, you'll figure it out. Cause this really isn't that deep, you know? You can't say the wrong thing to the right person. As long as you're talking to enough people about insurance, um, it will ultimately work out, you know? And I always think about that with like Andrew, that was Andrew's deal. He didn't always have the right thing to say to clients. He's incredible at selling insurance, but the difference between him and like somebody that sells 90% of the time and closes 90% of the time is really just an extra day of appointments, you know? We, we had a friend 90% of the time he sold every time you go see him. And then there's Andrew. He'd sell him 30% of the time. They had similar to the same numbers. Just Andrew ran an extra day. And over time, over the course of the year, it worked out. So, you know, that might be the key to Andrew's thing. Cause yeah. the thing is he, he's such a, he's so monotone. He's, he's so like even keel. He probably never got really very much identity praise. Mm-hmm. He probably got a lot of effort praise. Right? Got a ton of effort praise. <laughs> Dude, you know, that really is it. I believe that's what it is for sure. Well, the, the other question I normally ask is what's your daily schedule look like? But, you know, being now that you're an integrity partner, you're managing a big team, I guess, what was your, what's your daily schedule like when you're at the peak of your producing days or running yeah. as a new agent? Well, I think the challenge that everybody runs into is as the business grows, you, you develop a reactive mindset and the way to, and what that looks like is you just deal with problems. You know, which is just people complaining about stupid stuff. And the way out of that is to figure out a few things you can do every day that you could be proactive about that you could get done early. So what's the number one priority thing you can do? And let me get that out of the way fast. And if I can't do it myself, I need to delegate it to someone else. Um, I am traveling a lot, you know, meetings, BDM, supporting team, whatever. But Whenever I get in a rut, you know, I, I think about what can I do? What can I be proactive about? So one of the things I spend a lot of my time on on a weekly basis is just intentional coaching calls 
with my directs. So I'll do an hour call individually, 30 minutes to an hour call with people that I've personally recruited to help their personal production. And what I'm talking about on those calls is like, what do you want? Why are you doing it? Um, can we create a plan together to get to that point? And the reason why that's important is you assume what you know, what people want because you talked to them about it six months ago, but it changes over time. So just consistent communication with people that are in that process of figuring it out because the busier you get, the less time you spend with those people. And that's actually the most rewarded time in the business is spending time with those new people that are trying to figure it out. But you have people who've been here four, five, six years, and they're still complaining about the same stuff. And you think you have to pay attention to that. So when I'm reacting, that's what I'm doing. When I'm proactive and I'm doing it correctly, I'm focusing time and energy with those new people, time scheduled events and attention. Mm. So, so what predicates the days that you are proactive versus reactive? The days that I have it scheduled in my schedule to actually have those calls. You okay. know, so, so what I try to do is schedule at least 20 hours of those calls and then the problems still happen, but at least I can make sure those things. get done. And um, yeah. So planning out your schedule is still important. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's very, very important. It's the most important thing. All right. How about when you were a new agent, when you were coming up, what, what did, what's your normal schedule look like? When dial days, I was at dial days. I was dialing with other people. Run days, I would run in the field. Um, I would, I had friends in the business. So when I was driving home or I was in between appointments, I would talk to them and I would schedule my recruiting activity for in between appointments and during no-shows. And so I, I had a, a list of people that would respond to Craigslist ads or whatever it was I was using to recruit or, or people on my cell phone that I wanted to expose to FFL and between appointments or somebody no-showed me, that's when I would expose them to FFL. And, um, and that was it. And then the things that were immovable in my schedule that I had to have in place, put those in first. Like we went to church Sunday morning. Now, when I was destitute, I did whatever I had to do to not be destitute. But once I got not being destitute, I started trying to structure some things into my schedule to keep me from burning out uh, because I can do that. And so one thing was like, I had to go to church on Sunday morning. Another thing was like, I wanted to be home certain nights with the kids, at least to like say hello to them or whatever, um, you know, and, and I would schedule around that. And so I'd have my run days, I'd have my dial days. And the way I would get time back is on dial day. If I got everything booked, I had extra time in the schedule. And then when I was out and about doing my thing or in between calls, if I was trying to do telesales or zoom sales or whatever, if somebody no shows me, that's when I'm back on the phone trying to recruit more people. And then I just knew if I did that consistently, it would work out. And my goal was 10 in play every week as far as recruiting. So what that was, was that was 10 people in the process of making a decision whether or not FFL was for them and me making a decision whether they were for us. So those, I always had 10 in play on the board. And my goal was to get those ones off the board that it wasn't for. So I could fill the board back up with people that were good candidates. And, um, if you do that consistently, what it forces you to do, and this is what I do a lot of my time now, still do that, by the way. Um, but what it forces me to do, if I have a consistent pipeline of people that are looking, it allows me to say no to the wrong people, which is super important. You don't want to just drag people into it that really don't want to do it anyway. I'm looking for the ones that know the good, bad, and the ugly, and they still want to do it. And then as long as I have a pipeline full of people that I'm talking to, 
that's easy to do it that way. You know, arguably you're the most quoted person out of all the manager calls. Oh, thanks. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think I hear it every, every training call. It's always someone being like, you know, like Trey says, you got to take two people to two, two people a day from not knowing about FFL no to knowing about FFL. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of a cool thing. So you're the godfather of that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then before we wrap it up, one, one final question. Uh, aside from money, what do you do this for Trey? Dude, I just love seeing people change their lives. Like financially, this changes people's lives. Um, and it's in, it's in ways that you don't really, I don't know. I just get excited about it. I get excited about the fact that, you know, my, my former assistant has a nicer house than I have because of insurance. <laughs> like she lives in like the, the old money neighborhood. It's crazy when I look at it, yeah. you know, um, I, I look at the fact that like when I met Stephen Yee, he was 18 years old, lived with his mom. And when he started uh, insurance, he did this for a year and a half and was like, hey, I don't think insurance is for me. And he quit for almost three years and came back to the business. And now he's an integrity partner. It's it's remarkable. Like, you know, those are the stories that get me so excited. And just like like Ginger and Kyle, you know, they struggled for so long in another IMO and to see them thrive the way they are here. And the, and the cool stuff they get to do with their family and the traveling and the time and just, you know, Kyle LeClaire just ran an Ironman triathlon because he was able to like get the production in and still find a way to train for like running 26 miles, swimming two miles and riding a bike a hundred miles. Like that takes a lot of time to be able to do that, but they've been financially successful enough to be able to do those things that, you know, most people think are bucket list things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the, and the thing is, aside from the money is it's, it's not the money, but it's really the experiences and the life that I can provide for the kids, you know, just to see my kids be able to do cool stuff that like, I took my youngest son Harper to summer league and I got this picture when, uh, when Benyaya came out yeah. at summer league, which he's like seven, 12 six, feet seven, tall, seven, you know, I mean, 11, seven or something, dude, dude. <laughs> Dude, he's yeah, he's seven six or whatever. Yeah. Dude, when he came out of the tunnel, he had to duck to come out of the right. tunnel. And when everybody sees him, like the look on Harper's face was like like Home Alone, like you know, it just <laughs> it's like I got a perfect picture of it. I'm like, this is priceless. Like you'll never forget this. So it's that type of thing. Really That's what cool. I get excited about. It's really cool. Well, Trey, I appreciate the effort. Appreciate you making it out here yeah. and, Thank sh- you. and sharing all this information, great information with everyone. Um. You know, ho- hopefully that that's some helpful stuff. I mean, I, I always love listening to Trey, but to be be able to dive a little deeper and get to know you a little bit more, I mean, that's always it's always a welcome. So welcome, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks. Uh, and be back next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You'll be a regular co-host going forward. Yeah. <laughs> it's a four-hour driver. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but but thank you to Trey. Thank you to John. Thank you, producer Bryce. Thank you to all of you guys. Remember to focus on your effort. You know, you want to help people out around you. Praise them for their effort, not for their identity. Let's let's try that and see how that goes for the people around us. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for the effort. Hope you guys enjoyed the video. Thank you guys once again for supporting. If you guys want to see more of that, please make sure you like, subscribe. Uh, click on this link here to subscribe. Click on this link for the next video.